Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Come on, church. Come on, church. Give God praise tonight. I'm not enough unless you come. How many know that God's glory is revealed in your weakness? So many times we think our weakness is keeping us from from God or His presence, but I've learned over the years that in my weakness, His glory often shows up. So you may have brought some stuff in here tonight. Maybe you're carrying a heavy load. That's just an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to meet you right there where you are. Anybody thankful that God will meet you right there where you are? Amen. Come on, let's give him a high praise tonight. We serve an awesome God. Amen. Come on, slap two or three people a high five and tell them welcome to First Wednesday. You guys look amazing tonight. So good to have you on first Wednesday. If this is your first time, I know that sometimes that happens, that people show up on a first Wednesday uh, as their first visit here. Thank you so much for showing up. Bethesda, will you let our guests know that you appreciate them being here tonight? God bless you. Honored to have you. As the ushers prepare to serve you tonight, I'm just going to make one uh, pretty big announcement Uh, In the month of March, which is just a few weeks away, uh, we are preparing to go into a brand new facility. Anybody excited about that? There's a lot of things happening every day. It's coming together, and uh, we got a lot of work to get done in just about a month. But March 17th is uh, our ribbon-cutting service. That's when we have set it, and we're just believing it's all going to be ready to go on March the 17th. But what we want to do um, going into the month of March, a lot of people have asked me about service times and what are we doing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we do plan to have two services even in the big facility. So uh, we have found not only to give room for people to come, but it's, it's also um, really nice for a lot of families to have the option of an earlier service versus a later service. Uh, so on March the 3rd, I think that's the first Sunday in the month of March, um, we won't be in the new sanctuary yet, the new auditorium, we'll still be in here, but on March the 3rd, we, we will go at that point to two services. Hit your neighbor and tell them two services. All right, so it's probably going to be really full in here at 9 and 11. That, those are the times, 9 and 11. Uh, but we want to make sure that you're in the loop. Uh, if you show up at 8 o'clock ready for an 8.30 service, we'll just put you to work. All right, how's that? Uh, service will be at 9 and 11 starting March the 3rd. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, we're also looking on March the 17th with the ribbon cutting and all the special guests and, and everything that will be going on. We really... Uh, struggled with 
do we do it in one service and just get everybody in there? But the truth is, we can't park that many cars. Uh, we would have a nightmare uh, outside. And I don't want people's first time coming to our church to be a bad experience. So even on March the 17th, when we do the ribbon cutting, we will do, it's going to be a little bit different, instead of 9 and 11, to give us more time to get everybody in and out and, and to do the ribbon cutting in a way that will uh, that everybody will enjoy and we can honor God. We're going to do 9 and 11.30 on March the 17th, That just that one Sunday. And then we'll go right back in on the 24th to 9 and 11. Anybody excited about the two services and the new building and all this stuff? So pumped up for that. We're going to keep announcing that every week leading up so that everybody's in the loop. We'll also be doing some social media posts, some email blasts, and all that kind of stuff. You'll know the info, but uh, thank you so much for your generosity, your your willingness to serve, to make this dream a reality. Uh, it's really cool what God is doing right here in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. I'm, I'm excited. I believe our best days are still in front of us, not behind us, and I'm glad to be a small part of it. I'm glad that you're a part of it, and we're going to see some great things. I believe 2019 is going to be our best year ever. Amen. It's going to be our best year ever in the history of this church. Come on, if you believe it, just go ahead and take about 30 seconds. Let's give God some praise for what he's going to do in 2019. If you're believing for some new things, some big things, some God things, come on, let's give him some praise for it in advance. Amen. It's going to be awesome going to be awesome. We're so excited. Our ushers are going to prepare now to serve you, and we're just going to go to the Lord in prayer and ask that he bless this time together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. God, we thank you for what you're doing here in this local church, and not just in this church, but in this region, in this state, and around the world, God. We thank you for your presence, God. Your presence is an ever, you're, you're always with us, God, and, and as we just sung about, God, in our weakness, your glory is revealed. Father, as we give and as we sow into your work tonight, we ask that you would bless it and multiply it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, we're honored that you're here uh, tonight, and this is going to be a great night for a lot of reasons. Um, we're going to focus in tonight on small groups, and the other thing that's going to make this really, really cool tonight is that at the end of service, everybody gets Chick-fil-A on us. Now, now, check this out. Even if the sermon's bad... You can't complain because you get to partake of the holy bird. You know there's going to be a Chick-fil-A in heaven, right? There's going to be a Chick-fil-A in heaven. Uh, we are launching small groups in just a few weeks, February the 24th, and we're excited about that. We do four things at our church. If you're not familiar with the four things that we do, I'll bring you up to speed. Number one, we want every person to know God right? We want every person to know who Jesus is. Secondly, we want every person to find freedom. That's why we got freedom spelled out on this platform tonight. The third thing we want people to do is we want them to discover their purpose, why God put them on the earth, and, and to uncover their gifts and talents. And the fourth thing that we want for every person is that everybody make a difference. And we have four outlets. We, we know God through the worship experience. We want people to encounter Jesus when they're here. We find freedom 
through small groups. Everybody say through small groups. All right? That's our focus tonight. We discover purpose through next steps. If you have never been through next steps, you need to get to that class in the last Sunday of this month at 10 a.m., and we'll help you uh, discover your purpose, why God put you on the earth and what gifts you have. And then the fourth thing we do is we make a difference by serving on Bethesda's dream team. And I'm even rocking a shirt tonight that says, Worship One, Serve One. I had to look down to make sure I had that right. right. My mind's not here. Worship one, serve one. And, and, and that's a really cool thing for two services coming up that we would love for you to commit to serving one of those services and worshiping one of those services. Like, like just once, I'm just serving. I'm here to serve. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make sure everything goes well. I, I just want to make a difference and then take one service to come and worship and receive from God. So with all that being said and, and small groups coming up, um, we want you to find freedom, and we do that through groups. And you may say tonight, freedom from what? Well, freedom from sin, freedom from addiction, freedom from, well, I've got to be careful about how I say that, um, freedom in your marriage. Notice I didn't say freedom from your marriage. I said freedom in your marriage. We, we want you to experience God's freedom. And so if you brought a Bible, go with me to the book of Proverbs. If you don't have that, then you can look on the screen. I want to call this message, The Problem with Isolation. The Problem with Isolation. Um, I don't know how you feel about the word isolation. I don't know if that's positive to you, negative to you, or maybe you're just indifferent to that word. But I want to deal with some things from the Word of God that will help all of us be intentional as it relates to relationships. Like, how many of you know that we need relationships? We need one another. And we have to be intentional about relationships. For a long time, I just thought all good relationships were organic, like they just happen. How many know that, that if you go through life just waiting for great relationships to happen, you're going to die lonely? You have to be intentional when it comes to relationships, and we do need each other. And, and one of the things I've learned is that in life, we go through different seasons of pressure and, and things that happen to us that push us into isolation. It, 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 you know, there's some things we go through that we, it causes us to retreat from community, the very thing that we need. And I want to look at Proverbs 18, verse number 1. One verse to start. We'll hit some more later. It says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. That's so good, I'm going to read it again. A man who isolates himself, watch this, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desires. He rages against all wise judgment. Have you ever been around a person who hadn't been around people? You know, somebody that don't have a lot of friends, maybe they don't hang out with people, they're always by themselves. Have you ever noticed that the people that never hang out with people, those people are normally extremely weird? People that withdraw themselves away from community start getting weird. They start saying things that are crazy. They start acting in ways that are crazy. And, 
And the reason for that is because outside of community, the only voice you are hearing is your own. Outside of community, the only voice you are hearing is your own. And I don't know if you know this or not, but if you go for long periods of time, weeks, days, weeks, months, and years, only hearing your own voice or the voices in your head, how many of that's not good? Some of you already got convicted. Already. Yet you only hearing you is a bad thing. It's cool for a time of reflection. It's cool for a weekend retreat, but that's about it. If you are only hearing you, and, and, and that means you are answering you, that leads to destruction. He says a, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. In other words, he's selfish, right? He's doing life his way. He rages against all wise judgment. Sometimes people who refuse to be engaged in community, they even rage against common sense. Have you ever stepped back from someone and said, I can't believe they're doing such stupid stuff? Come on, y'all ain't that holy. Like, why are they making such horrible decisions? They think it's useless to hear from anybody else. They, after all, they have their own relationship with God. And so they say things like, only God can judge me. I can hear God for myself. And I'm all for you hearing God for yourself, but I also know the importance of community. And I'm going to show you how God feels about isolation over the next few minutes. Now, this first point is going to make some people mad. And y'all know me by now. I don't care. It's going to make, it's going to rub some people the wrong way. And, and so before I throw it out there, I'm, I got a little disclaimer here. I want you to know, I believe God is all-sufficient. I believe God is all-knowing. I believe He's omnipresent. I believe God is amazing. He holds the universe in the span of His hand between His thumb and His pinky is what Isaiah the prophet said. I believe God is that big and that awesome. And that's my disclaimer because point number one, God is not enough. Religious people just got mad. Now, before you try to cast the devil out of me or throw anything at me, I, I want to show you something from the Word of God. I, let me clarify. I'll say it this way. I didn't make this statement. God did. Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 18 and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. You have to understand, God said it's not good for man to be alone. And, and a lot of us, we only want to use this verse as it relates to marriage. But this is not a marital statement. This is a relational statement. That it is not good for man to be alone. That we are created by God and, and by His design, we are meant to live in relationship with Him. 
but we're also meant to be in relationship with other people. And this goes past your personality. This goes past your personality. Uh, you, you know, a lot of people will use the excuse, I'm an introvert. I don't do people. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not a people person. Yes, you are. You came from a people. What do you mean? It's called mom and dad. You came from people. What do you mean I'm not a people person? You came from, hit your neighbor and say, you came from people. All right? We, we came from people. All right? So, and I'm kind of, yeah, some of y'all don't believe this or know this. I'm shy outside of a pulpit. And it's a challenge sometimes for me to build relationships. But when I read the Word of God, I can see clearly that God has in mind that we be connected vertically, but we also be connected horizontally. And this goes past personality and preference, and I do life by myself and hear God for myself, and you're just all that in a bag of chips. The rest of us need some people. All right? So God is not enough. He creates this world, this amazing world, and he puts man in it. And he lets man name all the animals. Y'all remember that, right? In the book of Genesis, man is given the authority to name everything. And one of the cool things is that Adam didn't just stop one day and say, hey God, when are you going to hook me up? I'm a little lonely. Where's my hookup? Where's my lady? Where's my friend? Adam didn't bring it up at all. God said it's not good. Adam said nothing about it. God said it's not good for him to be alone. And so God makes this statement to Adam and to us because he knows that relationships are important. Secondly, we only got three points tonight. Y'all know this? I, I like three-pointers. Anybody like three-pointers? <laughs> Number two, God is okay with not being enough. God is okay with not being enough. He's fine with it. Look at Exodus chapter 4, verse 13. It says, but he said, oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may sin. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as a God, and you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. This is the encounter of God and Moses and, and Moses delivering the people out of bondage. Now, we have to remember how we got to this, this point right here. One day Moses is walking along, and he sees a bush that is burning, but it's not burned up. It's not consumed. And the bush starts talking to Moses. Y'all remember the story? The bush starts speaking to Moses. And that's one level. But then Moses starts talking back to the bush. Now, there's only three options here. 
Either Moses is dehydrated out in the desert, or he's on something, or, or this is a God moment. Clearly, we find out this is a God moment because God says, this is me, this is God, take off your shoes, big boy, this is holy ground. And Moses takes off his shoes and he begins this dialogue with God, and God tells Moses, I want you to go and tell the king of Egypt, I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he tells Moses, he said, I don't want you to worry about this, this assignment. I don't want you to be fearful about it because I'm going with you. I'm going with you. I don't know how you feel tonight, but if God asked me to do something and then says, I'm with you, how many of you would say, I'm all in on that? If you're with me, God, I'm all in. I'm willing to do whatever you tell me to do. If you are with me, I am in 100%. This wasn't the case for Moses. Even though God told him, I'll, you go, you tell him, let the people go, I'll be with you. Moses said, no, thank you. Nope, can't do this. I know you're saying you're going with me, but I just can't do this. And God says, you've got to do it. I am calling you to do it. And, and I'm going to be with you. And what God was letting him know is that, that he is a blank check God. That whatever you need God to be in the moment, how many of you have found out in your life, God will be that. And for the children of Israel, if it was a cloud by day that they needed, God became that. If it was a pillar of fire by night, God became that. If it was bread falling out of heaven, that's what God became. became. If they needed water, how many know that God became water out of a rock for them? That whatever they needed, God became. Now, God tells Moses, I, I, I'm going to be with you. And Moses says, no, I'm not going. I can't do this. And God says, okay, put your stick on the ground. Y'all remember this? He puts a stick on the ground, and it turns into a snake. And Moses jumps back, because that's what any normal person would do, right? Like, you know, I, don't know, I won't go down that road of snakes. And then he takes the snake by the tail, picks it up, and it becomes a stick again. Then he said for Moses to put his hand in his cloak, and when he did, he pulled it out, and his hand was covered with leprosy. Put it back in the cloak, came out healed. Then he took it a step further. He told Moses to go down to the Nile River and get some water. And when Moses went down to the Nile River and got some water, he poured it onto the dry ground. It turns into blood. And God says if they don't believe the stick, the snake, or the stick, or the hand leprosy hand, if they don't believe all that, then they will believe when the water turns into blood. And Moses once again says, God, I can't do it. Can you imagine going through all that and you throw and stick and they're turning to snakes and leprosy and healing and watering and still saying, God, I can't do it. That's what Moses did. He kept saying, I can't do it. And then he made the excuse, and we all have one. I have a stuttering problem. I stutter, God. It would take me way too long to tell Pharaoh to let the people go. You know how long it would take me to get those words out of my mouth? It would take me a long time to be able to get through that, to be able to say that, 
And so Moses is telling God, I don't want to do this. And God's response to Moses is, I don't care. I, I don't care what you, I made you and I made your mouth. I don't care what you want. You're going to, I know everything about you. I know about your stuttering problem, Moses. Aren't you thankful that God knows your weakness and still calls you? That he knows where you struggle and says, I've still put my hand on you. And he tells Moses, I still want you to go. And Moses says, I can't do this. And so God says, all right then, take Aaron with you. I understand that you have a problem with this assignment. I know that this is a struggle for you. And here's the part I want you to get. God was not offended that Moses thought he, that God wasn't enough by himself. He said, I want you to grab Aaron and he's going to go with you. See, God is okay with the fact that you need people. He's okay with the fact that I need people. God is so secure in his relationship with you that when you get a new friend, God don't get jealous. Some of y'all are going to get this in a little while. Think about this. We spend time in prayer. We read God's word. We try to grow in our relationship with God. And many times in our private time with God, he speaks to us. He shares his heart with us. And a lot of times we'll leave that quiet time with God and we'll go out with our buddy, and our buddy says something that confirms something God has already said, but we get excited when our friend says it, and we cry when Johnny says it, and God's like, you didn't cry when I said it. How many of you have ever had a word from God, and you wasn't real sure until your buddy or your friend came along and confirmed that word? And so God is secure in his relationship with you, and he knows that we need people. Now watch this. He understands that we need one another. Look at Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I want you to really take hold of that verse. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Proverbs 27, 9. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Hit your neighbor and tell them, you need a friend. You need a friend. It's good to have friends. It's good to have people in our life that challenge us, that correct us, that inspire us to be, be to be better. It is good to have friends. Now, let's let, look at one more thing here. There is something special about our horizontal relationships that actually amplifies our vertical relationship with God. That there is not, even the cross itself is vertical and horizontal. Speaking to us about the relationship we have with the Father, but also the relationship that we have with one another. Point one, God is not enough. Point two, God is okay with not being enough. Point three, we're shooting threes tonight, God won't let himself be enough. This is where the rubber meets the road. Look at Matthew chapter 26, verse number 36 through 46. It says, Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. 
He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul was crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little far, farther and bowed his, with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he turned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time. And prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away, unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. You got to love that. Three times. He's like, can y'all not pray? All right, forget it. Just go ahead and go to bed. Go ahead and go to sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, oh, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. If there was one person born into the earth that would be justified being a loner, it would have been Jesus. If anybody earned the right to do life by themselves, how many of you would agree Jesus had earned that right if he chose to do so? If anybody could have been a loner, it was Jesus, but he chose not isolation. Jesus chose community. If, if there's going to be one person that could make the excuse, they just don't get me. They don't understand what I'm saying. I'm on another dimension than everybody else. How many know Jesus could have said that? He could have made any of those statements. He's the Son of God. He can read men's thoughts. He could have chosen to do life alone. If there's a leader that could have said, it's lonely at the top, it was Jesus. It's lonely up here. Nobody else is on my level. I'm just going to do my own thing. Yet Jesus chose community. Watch this in his highest highs and his lowest lows. On the Mount of Transfiguration, one of the pinnacles of his ministry, guess what he did? He took Peter, James, and John. He took them on the mountaintop with him. When it was time to be crucified, we just read, Peter, James, and John was with him. He had community at the highest of highs, and he had community at the lowest of lows. He did community on the mountaintop and in the valley. See, watch this. The only time it is lonely at the top is when you choose to climb the mountain alone. That's the only time it's lonely. When you choose to go by yourself. The danger of living in isolation is that after a while, it's not just your voice you hear but you start hearing Satan's voice. After a while, it's not just the voices in your head. It's not just you talking to you and you answering you. But Satan gets in the mix of, of isolation and he starts saying things like, everybody else is crazy but you. 
You're the only one. You're the only one that's figured life out. Everybody else is on their way to hell. Come on, y'all met any religious people like that? We're the only ones going to heaven. We're the only ones. And Jesus chose community. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to be betrayed. And watch this. He knows that Peter, James, and John, they can't do anything to change this. They can't do anything at all. Because he understands that before the foundation of the world, he was the lamb slain. He knew why he had come. He knew that they couldn't change this. They couldn't make it a different outcome. There was nothing they could do. But Jesus was saying in this moment, it would just bring me a little comfort if you guys were with me. You can't fix it. You can't change it. I'm going to die. But it brings me some comfort knowing that you are with me. See, great friends sometimes don't have to do anything except show up. Do you know how many people that I just had to show up for? Have you ever been in a spot where somebody was going through something and you didn't have the words? I've told, I, I've told our staff, I said, sometimes don't say anything at all. Just be present. Just show up. Sometimes words come up short. And so our presence means so much. And Jesus is teaching us, please don't check out on me. you got to get this. I would rather have friends that go to sleep on me and still be in community than allowing them going to sleep to offend me and never be in community. I would rather have buddies that go to sleep on me when I need them than to live in isolation. That's what Jesus is teaching us. The Son of God is saying we need community. We need one another. Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Look at James chapter 5. We've read this many times. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. 1 John 1, 9, but if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. How many of you understand only God can forgive sin? Only God can forgive sin. But here's what I want you to understand. People who only confess vertically and never confess horizontally never get healed. James is real clear. If you take 1 John and you take James, you find out when we confess to God, we receive forgiveness. But when we confess to one another, we get healed. How many people are sick and addicted and broken and messed up because they confess to God, but they never confess to anyone else? And I'm not saying it's got to be me. I am trying to help you to get connected to the body of Christ. To do community with other believers. He says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous people avails much. But here's what I want you to understand about that. I can't pray for you fervently until I know what I'm praying for. 
He says that, that the passionate prayer of the righteous accomplishes a lot. But how can I be passionate about praying for you if I don't even know what you're going through? How am I supposed to bombard heaven when I don't even know what your struggle is? I, I don't even know what it is that you're going through. And I'm not saying I'm Father Dingus and need you to, you know, come confess to me. But I am saying you better have a friend when you're going through hell on earth that you can say, hey, I need a little help. I can't figure this out. I can't get past this. Would you be a friend to me and help me pray about this? That scripture can change our life. Whenever we open up these altars, sometimes we'll have people come down and, and, and they'll just say, uh, I just need prayer. Okay, that's wonderful, but what for? Well, I just, whatever, however the Lord leads you. I should not have to tap in to the prophetic when you already know what the struggle is. Like, I shouldn't have to take two minutes. God, give me discernment so I can pray the right kind of prayer right now. If you know, hit your neighbor and tell him, cough it up. Cough it up. Don't treat altar ministry or your small group with less respect than you do the doctor. Oh, I'm about to preach. When you go to the doctor, you say, Doc, something's wrong with me. Get it out. I brought a sample. Here it is. Can you help me? And we come to church, and we want everybody to tap into the prophetic so that we can pray for you. Listen, I'm all about the prophetic and hearing God and prophesying and speaking. I'm for all of it. But if you already know the issue, why don't you just say what the issue is? Let's come into agreement and let's believe that something powerful will be accomplished. We got to cough it up if we're going to get healed. Y'all got me excited on a Wednesday night. Man, this, this, this is so good because a lot of us, we, we treat community as if like it, it, there's no benefit to it. And God is saying that there is a big benefit to this. As the worship team comes, look at Galatians 6 with me real quick. Man, I'm short tonight. Hit your neighbor and say, we're going to have chicken in a little bit. <laughs> look at this. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Man, Paul really preaches. Like, you think you're, all, you're not that important. Get out of my face, Paul says. You ought to be helping somebody. You ought to be there for somebody. 2018 was a tough year for me and my family. We shared a lot of that with you, and we've had difficult seasons throughout the ministry, and there's been some seasons that have been amazing, and there have been some seasons that have been hard. But I'm telling you, every single time when I think back about difficult seasons, I didn't experience any breakthrough until I coughed it up. Zero breakthrough until I call. And I'm not saying, a lot of times you'll go to God and you'll tell him what's going on. He'll say, that's great, I'm going to help you out, but now I need you to go tell somebody. 
Why is it we think we can only go to God and never to anyone else? I'm not saying you got to go to people first. I think you should talk to God first. But it is, it is very clear in Scripture. And I have experienced, I mean, last year, I, for about nine months, I carried a bunch of junk. And I didn't share it with anybody. And there was no, zero relief in my life until I coughed it up and said, we're struggling. I wonder what God would do if, if we not only confessed it to him, but we took time to get involved in community. And we found some people that we love, and not only that we love, but they love us too. And it's a safe space to share. And it's not, man, one of the things I love about this church, it's not a gossip church. And I love that, that we can share a struggle, and it's not about just sharing somebody's mess. It's about really praying for that person. It's about really taking that seriously and praying fervently on their behalf. And some of you will say, well, Pastor, I can't do that. I can't share it with anybody because the last time I did, they betrayed my trust. And, and I, you know, Pastor, I've been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by a church but you've not been hurt by the church you haven't it's amazing that we give more respect to a restaurant than we do the house of God anybody ever went out for a meal and it was terrible raise your hands I need some help right here I'm going to make a point it was bad. Bad service, bad food, everything. You didn't leave that and say, well, terrible, food poisoning. I'll never eat out again. Home cooking until Jesus comes. <laughs> Yet we get hurt in the church. I don't go to church no more. You, you give a restaurant. You give the food industry more respect than the hope of the world, which is the local church that Jesus died for. You might have been hurt by a church, but you've not been hurt by the church. Yeah. If you'll take that seriously, you'll find yourself a safe space to be able to share your struggle, your pain, your addiction, whatever's going on in your life, and God will meet you and surround you with some people that love you. Amen. You all believe that tonight? Come on, let's give God a praise tonight. Go ahead and stand up. I'll quit right there. As a pastor, I hear it all the time. I've been hurt by the church. I'll never go again. You've got to be kidding me. I want you to bow your heads. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to do something in this moment. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? What is He speaking to you? What's He saying? What part of your life is the Holy Spirit ministering to in this moment? What secret is it that you need to let go of? What is it that you just need to share with somebody? You've shared it with God over and over, but He... He just wants you to go and be in community and share it with somebody else. Some of you, I'm not trying to negate that you've ever been hurt, but 
this is your opportunity to try again. You went back out to eat. Try again. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. If you're in this place and you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If that's you tonight, you need Jesus to save you and forgive you. If that's you, would you stow your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me tonight, Pastor. I need Jesus to say, thank you for this hand up front. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Say, that's me. I want Jesus to save me. I want him to forgive me. I want to make sure that my relationship with God is good. Anyone else? Another one here. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Another one there. God bless you. Awesome. 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 Amen. Anyone else? Two thousand nineteen is a year of favor and dominion. We're going to see things in nineteen we've never seen before. The Holy Spirit's going to do something new, something fresh, something that we're not. I mean, sometimes we 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 want everything to be so cookie cutter, and I, I just hear the Holy Spirit saying we're going to have to be fluid in nineteen. We're going to have to be willing to flow with God's current and what He's doing. I'm all for order and structure, and we have a lot of it here. But that's so that we can flow when it's time. I want us to pray with one another. There's three hands that went up, every voice lifted. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a big praise. That's awesome, awesome. So good. We're gonna open up these altars and um, as the worship team gets ready to do one more song, when we're done singing, when we're done with this one song, don't go anywhere. I'm, I got some information I'm going to share, and then we're going to bring out the holy bird. <laughs> All right? And we're going to have it right in here, and we're going to hang out with one another. You know what we're going to do tonight? We're going to connect and hang out and make a new friend. Hit your neighbor and say, make a new friend tonight. All right? So, prayer team, staff, let's get in place, and let's have a time of worship. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.